Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 131. You have a title for this sermon. I had come up with the outline, and Jordan suggested a great title for the sermon might be Keep Calm and Carry On. I said, well, if I come up with a better one, I'll change it, but I'm not that clever, so it wouldn't have sounded good if it was mine. So I do have another title, Three Simple Verses. So that's as clever as as she gets, brethren. Well, let's open our Bibles to Psalm 131, and we'll look at this very short psalm together. Psalm 131, the inerrant, infallible words of the one and true living God, beginning at verse 1. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. The grass withers and the flowers fade. Indeed, let's pray. Our Father, we do pray for the preaching of your word. May it be clear and may Christ be glorified. Amen. Amen. So just three simple verses this morning from King David. We, of course, are in the home stretch of our Psalms of Ascent, those Psalms slash songs written for the people of God as they made their way three times a year during the festivals to Jerusalem and specifically to the temple. As you'll know, Only four of the 15 Psalms of Ascent are directly attributed to David. Psalm 121, Psalm 124, here in Psalm 131, and in Psalm 133. Now, I suspect if you were all given manuscripts, individual manuscripts of each one of the Psalms, and asked to put them into what you think would be the best order what would make logical sense, you would probably surely, no shock, put 131 right after 130. As we saw two weeks ago, uh, arguably one of the highlights of the entire book of Psalms, let alone the Psalms of Ascent, we saw that fabulous uh, Psalm 130 and its discussion of the redemption that we have. As you recall, You may want to look at that quickly again, Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. For if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. The psalmist then goes on talking about waiting for the Lord and ends 7. O Israel... Hope in the Lord. Of course, Psalm 130 is not attributed to King David, 
But David's connection with Psalm 130 here in 131 is strikingly obvious. In fact, he quotes Dustany, Psalm 130, verse 7, verbatim in verse 3 of Psalm 131, seemingly as an acknowledgement and directly showing us this connection. O Israel, he says, hope in the Lord. So in our three simple verses this morning, we're seeing David's personal response to the glorious redemption in Psalm 130. And as we see David respond, we'll also see the response of every true believer, and I trust our response as well. These are three simple verses Yet as Charles Spurgeon said of Psalm 131, it's one of the shortest to read, but one of the longest to learn, if we ever do. So, with your copy of God's Word at hand, let's look at our three simple verses this morning under three headings. We'll first see in verse 1, David's confession. We'll see in verse 2, David's contentment. And finally, in verse 3, David's comfort and confidence. First, David's confession in verse 1. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. David's confession here in verse 1 begins as one commentator calls it, a solitary colloquy, that is a conversation meant to be between he and his Lord. We just happen to be able to hear it as well. And he begins, doesn't he, where we must always begin when we deal with the Lord, and that's the heart, the center of our nature. He's honest here, isn't he? My heart is cast down. I'm broken. I'm low. I have been humbled. Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. This is the position of the heart of every true believer who's seen the Lord and tasted of his redemption. Oh, do you remember that first time when you saw your sin for what it really is and heard the gospel of Christ and came to him in faith and repentance? As your heart rejoiced, it was also brought extremely low. This is the position of the heart of every true believer. You remember, don't you, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6 says, I saw the Lord. And he sees and hears the seraphim singing, as we have this morning already. Holy, 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 holy around the throne. And what does the Lord's prophet respond? Woe is me, for I am undone. I am an unclean man with unclean lips. David continues, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, and my eyes are not raised too high. If I were to ask you right now, take out a piece of paper and a pencil and write for me 
the six or seven worst sins you can think of. The sins that God hates the most. The sins that we, as his followers, should never have named among us. The sins that if the elders confronted us of would surely lead to church discipline, if not immediately repented of. What would your list look like? Kids, what would be on your list? Probably lying to mom and dad right to their face. Stealing. Do you have at least some of those in mind? Did you know that the Lord actually has given us his list just a few pages away from where we are right now? Turn with me to the book of Proverbs, just a little beyond our text, and look with me at Proverbs chapter 6, beginning at verse 16. Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. Can't get any plainer than that, can you? Seven that are abomination to Him. Now, some on our list are clearly here, aren't they? A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, etc. But if we're not careful, we can easily skip over number one, can't we? Haughty eyes. Or as the King James says, a proud look. Haughty eyes at the beginning of this list of wickedness that the Lord says he hates. At the beginning of the list is lifted up eyes. It's worth noting that that phrase in the original here in Proverbs 6 includes the same exact two words we find in our text in Psalm 131. Ayan for eyes and room lifted up or raised up. Raised up eyes. The application to us from David here in our text becomes obvious, doesn't it? David begins, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up and my eyes are not raised too high. Saints, true brokenness and humility of the heart can never be accompanied with an attitude of disdain, an air of superiority. They don't go together. And as a matter of fact, God hates it. A few years ago, a prominent evangelical wrote a book that he titled Humility, True Greatness. And just a few years later, was accused both in church and civil courts of personal dealings of pride, bullying, and harsh and judgmental spirit, among many others. Do you ever have that look, brothers and sisters? Those raised eyes, that haughty spirit? Even in righteous and needful judgment, brothers and sisters, in righteous correction, my brothers and sisters, may we never have that attitude. Even when you are right and others wrong, even when we are standing for truth and righteousness and holiness and others around us may jeer and chide and hate you, 
hate your doctrine, hate your church, hate your Christ, may we still be marked with the lowly eyes of David in our text, adorned with grace and humility. Our joint prayer needs to be in this place. Lord, help us. Let us look out for this tendency in ourselves and each other, and may it never be named or seen among us. May we be quick to recognize it, repent of it, and move on. David continues his confession in verse 1, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, and I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. David ends his confession admitting that he simply cannot occupy his heart on questions that have no answers. This brings to mind, doesn't it, Deuteronomy 29, 29, a verse that should just automatically come off our lips and probably be uh, in a refrigerator near us at all times. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may all do the words of this law. David here is simply referring to those why questions. Why did this happen to me? Why did it happen now? Why, Lord, what are you doing? We've all been there. David is simply saying, I can't go there. There'll be a lot of ways to illustrate this, but none better, and I know he'll forgive me if he's here. I haven't seen if he's here. But... <clears throat> Our dear Bob Hutzel has been like a second father to me, a mentor in the faith. Love the man. I could tell you Bob's stories that will curl your hair. Amazing brother. We had moved to Colorado in 2007. We had been there about a couple of months, and I got this beautiful handwritten, about 10-page letter from Bob in beautiful cursive that they don't teach us anymore to do. But I remember sitting there reading that, and he poured his heart out, first of all, thanking me for being his friend, and, and then he painstakingly told us about the diagnosis of his dear sweet wife, Miriam, and Alzheimer's. And I remember him saying in that letter, I can't help but say, why now? You know, we had all these things planned, and he said, why couldn't it have been me instead of her? And then he pauses in the letter and says, but... I can't go there. And he didn't. Nine years later, after nursing that dear saint, God took her life finally and really mercifully as Lisa and I were able to visit her in her last hours. Still the same Bob. And who would have known that just a couple of years later, he would find love again with Berta who we all know. They were married right here by Jordan. And this was not a uh, gray sunset uh, marriage. This was a marriage of teenagers, trust me. <laughs> they were amazing together. <clears throat> and as you know, Bob got COVID, went in and had the treatment, 
the, the antibodies, felt better in a couple of days. Berta came down with it, and she had a myriad of health issues and called her primary care physician who advised her right now, maybe it wasn't a good idea to have that treatment and, you know, to do this and to do that. And shortly after that, Berta went into the hospital and never came out. And I remember seeing Bob several times after that, and he said, I believe with all my soul if she would have had that treatment that I had, she would still be here. But just like many years before, he turned to me and said, but I can't go there. I won't go there. But I just miss her terribly. Brothers and sisters, when these times come, when the secret things haunt you, is God still good? Is God still loving? Does he still care for his own? Because just because sometimes there's nothing but a pit of emptiness and questions left in our soul, isn't there? But just because there is emptiness, did somehow God not love our dear brother Bob? Did he give him a bum steer by placing him with two amazing loves and partners in his life and ministry, yet leaving him lonely and brokenhearted twice. We could come up with a million more examples like this and then go around the room and find a couple more this morning, couldn't we? But every time, the answer is the same. We just can't ever go there. We just hurt Trust, keep calm, and carry on. It was a decent title. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. The anxious and unsettled heart is part of God's plan for us. And it was part of God's plan for David. Yet David shows us his answer in verse 2. And what an answer it is. It's David's own contentment. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but in verse 2, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. What a verse. David says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Is this not the same we hear from the Apostle Paul, his testimony for us in Philippians chapter 4? Not that I am speaking Uh, of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in, there with and there to be content. And I hear some of your thoughts even now. Oh, I hear you, Pastor. I know I need to be content. I know I shouldn't grumble and complain. I know uh, living anxiously is not right and sinful, but I can't help it. I'm sorry. I can't help how I feel. I can't help the fact that I toss and turn and can't sleep. I'm anxious and I worry. I'm sorry. But good for David. Good for the Apostle Paul. That really doesn't help me. I'm not David. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm just me. First, let me say, thank goodness none of us 
have had the trauma that either that David and the Apostle Paul had. We would have quit long before now. But hold on. David here gives, I think, the greatest illustration, the greatest metaphor we could ever have, ever think of, to help us see how he calmed and quieted his soul. Back to the text again in verse 2. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Now, saints, I'd, I'd love you to learn something here. The Lord has given you the Word of God. The Lord has given you uh, the Scriptures to answer such questions. And as you read these, discuss it with the Lord. Communicate with Him. Oh, Lord, help me. How? How did David calm and quiet his heart? When I'm just, as one of our deacons always says, a hot mess. Hot mess I am. As you read and meditate on God's word, you continually communicate with him. Ask him the, the, the difficult questions. Talk with him. Discuss it with him. You ask questions and let your soul listen like this as you read. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. How, Lord? How did he do it? How can I tame my restless soul? And you keep reading, listening to the still, small voice of the Lord. Like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. And he let those words penetrate like salve in those rocky places. I don't know what your weaning experience has been like. We were up close and personal many times as our youngest granddaughter, Millie, was weaned. Breastfeeding with Millie was an Olympic sport. <laughs> Demanding, <laughs> pulling on shirts, screaming. She couldn't talk, but if she could, it would have been a Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka. I want my milk, and I want it now. And I will not stop until I get it. And then once she got it, it was still an Olympic sport. The loudest nursing child you've ever heard. Mm. <laughs> uh, and we would laugh just like that. But what a metaphor. Let this grab your soul. Why does the nursing child need his or her mother? Only for one reason, to get what they desire and need right now. They don't have the ability, do they, to see or understand really anything else. Yet David says, look at the weaned child with its mother. Why does the weaned child go to his or her mother? They come already full. They come already dry. They come full. For only one reason, because it's mom and they know her. Mom knows me. She loves me. She takes care of me like nobody else can. And David says here, like a weaned child, my soul is within me. How have I calmed and quieted my restless soul? I know nobody loves me and nobody will take care of me like my Lord. There's nowhere else to go, saints. Our restless souls need to be weaned. Sometimes we won't have the answers. Only 
the anxiety, and only the pain. If Millie now skins her knees or is hurting and needs answers, she needs to give and receive love and acceptance. Where does she go? Well, sometimes to my, my delight, it's actually Papa. But most always, it's Mama. This is David's contentment in verse 2, saints. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. David no longer goes to God exclusively for what he gets from him. He goes to God for who he is. Finally this morning, in verse 3, David ends with his confidence, quoting from Psalm 130. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. We've said it before here, and it bears repeating. Don't let our American context rip the meaning away from you here. In our context, this is hope. I hope a PS5 for Christmas is coming, or whatever. It's wishing. Hope here is not wishing. As a matter of fact, I used to tell my salespeople all the time uh, in one of my favorite books, and matter of fact, it's right here, hope is not a strategy. It's not a strategy for enterprise selling, and it's not a strategy for salvation either. Hope here is yichel, an amazing word, difficult to translate because it's weight in a sense of timing, yet it's more than that. It's hope for future events, but it's more than that. It's knowing the outcome and resolved to be patient, awaiting its consummation. What was David, or who was David waiting for? Turn with me. Final text we'll turn to, but an unbelievable text. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Normally, up until this point, it's been the Pharisees asking the questions. Jesus asks one here. Listen to Matthew 22, starting at verse 41. Matthew 22, 41. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think? About the Christ. Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. And he said to them, How is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, quoting Psalm 110, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus won't let him go. He says, If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Question mark. Now, we know the answer to that question, don't we? He is his son in that he was the incarnate son of God from the line of David through his mother, Mary. But look at this next verse. Unbelievable verse. 
And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. David's hope, brothers and sisters, is both David's son and his Lord. And it turns out that it's our hope that we hope in as well. Both of us, David and us, are looking forward, presently waiting and expecting. David waiting for his son, the Messiah, the Savior of Israel. Us looking forward to that same Savior who did come, Matthew one twenty one, to save his people from their sins as the son of David who was crucified, died, was buried the third day, rose again from the dead, who was raised for our justification and is coming again. That's the hope that we have. As a matter of fact, Jesus is not only around these three verses. These simple verses are Jesus. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, David says. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. My eyes are not raised too high, says David. But he made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth forevermore. As we close, just a simple takeaway for all of us. This text is speaking to everyone within the sound of my voice this morning. And it speaks to the only two types of people there are within the sound of my voice this morning. Those of you outside of Jesus Christ and those of us who call him Lord. And the takeaway is the same for both of us. It's time for all of us to come to the end of ourselves those of you who have never bowed the knee, never come to the end of yourself, looking and comparing, justifying, hoping you will make it, the Lord Jesus stands ready to save right now. Come to the end of yourself. Admit defeat. Repent of your sins and the pathetic effort of self-justification and just come and drink of the water of life freely. And to the rest of us, this message has primarily been for us. The gospel beckons you 
brothers and sisters, again. It's time for us all to come to the end of ourselves. Let David's confession of humility be yours. Let David's contentment like a weaned child be your contentment. And again, revel in the fact that David's son and his Lord is yours also. Three simple verses. Let's pray together. Our Father, the gospel never gets old. We need it every day. Thank you for this simple text. We thank you for the redemption that you've prepared for us. Will you help us calm our souls and carry on? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's